2022, $471 billion were spent on out-of-pocket healthcare costs in America. Staggering number. That, maybe that's a reflection on healthcare, and I'm not here to get into that uh, in the cost of healthcare. I think it's just an amazing number. $49 billion were spent on cosmetic and beauty products alone in America. I think it's safe to say we care a lot about our bodies. We care a lot. It's important to us. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. In fact, I think our bodies are incredibly uh, important in how they function and making them healthy. And I don't know if you've ever had something where you've had an ailment in some way that is hurting another part of your body because it's not working right. Those are major issues. It's one thing that is links us together is that every one of us has this thing called a, a body. We've been actually talking about that over the last couple of weeks. We've been exploring and unpacking what it is that's common to us and the ways that God answers that. A couple of weeks ago, we said every one of us is desperate to be loved for who we are and that the radical answer to that cry of the heart is for God to come in and have loved us with an everlasting love. What he said is even when we were dead, in sin and brokenness, because he was so rich in mercy and because of this radical love, God came and made us alive. We can't even begin to fathom. It answers the cry of the heart, I want to be loved. And then last week we had an opportunity to say, not only are we desperate to be loved for who we are, but also we are desperate to belong, to be a part of something, not to be alone it's hardwired into us, and yet God again comes and does this supernatural, amazing thing where he comes and says, not only are you not alone, but I'm calling you to be in my family, to be a part of my family, to call you sons and daughters. You were far off, long distance, had no relationship, broken, but what I did is I came in and sent my one and only son to pay a price for you so that you could be a part of a family. That family would be called the church. These ones that are called out by the Lord to be his own possession. So God answers this cry for us, longing to be loved and longing to belong. And so what's common to us and that we get to step into this unique thing here, this thing that links us all together. We wanna be loved, we wanna belong. We also have these bodies there's a lot of variation within that, right? Bodies are quite varied and different colors and different attributes and different sizes and different abilities and all of those things. But in all of those differences, we all have this unique thing about us. We carry this. And the word, I think what we're gonna lean into this morning is that the scripture is actually gonna say that these bodies are actually pointing to a greater reality than anything that we could even get or wrap our minds around, meaning that our bodies are actually a picture or a shadow of a greater eternal reality that God is creating for us with him. And because of that, bodies matter. Our bodies matter. You want to take care of it, the Lord's saying there's, there's a reason for that. 
And the Spirit of God is going to point to this body to be able to say, what you do matters. What you do matters. The last couple of weeks, what we said is who you are matters, meaning you are the beloved of God. You are the family of God. You call on the name of Jesus. You have love and you get belonging you, unlike anything you've ever experienced before and in a way that no one else on this earth could ever actually answer that cry. But not only are you these things, but you and who you are and what you do matters. We've had an opportunity to look into these things. The very text we looked at a couple of weeks ago where it says Jesus in Ephesians 2 came and radically loved us and saved us and changed us and transformed us with his radical love and mercy even when we didn't deserve it. At the very tail end of that paragraph in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he's going to make this profound statement. Ephesians 2 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand which let that blow your mind God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them meaning your identity as a son or a daughter of God, has so transformed you that you were meant to step into that so that you touch and change the world. What you do matters. What he's saying is, is in Christ, you have consequence. Your life has consequence you couldn't even begin to fathom. How important you are. Not because of anything you have done, but because of what he has made us to be. All of the sudden, we have more purpose than we could ever wrap our minds around. We are loved. We belong, so therefore we're meant to do. And Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. He's trying to talk to them and give them a picture, an understanding of the consequence, the capacity that this church is carrying. He's unpacking. You're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, I want to give you this picture. Verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And for the record, the who, when he says you, when Paul is or with the Holy Spirit through this Leader in the church, the Apostle Paul, when he's saying you are, who's he referring to? You can go all the way back to the very beginning of the letter. Who's the letter being written to? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth. So when he says you are the body of Christ, what he means is the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ, which actually leads us to a significant and profound question, which is this. How important do you think that Jesus' body is to him? 
How important do you think that Jesus' body is to him? I don't even think we've begun to understand the fullness of that question. I think we'll only try to dip our toe into it today. There's this other letter that the Holy Spirit is writing through his servant named Paul to this church in this city called Ephesus, different city, where a church has been established and he's writing and he's trying to get the people's minds around how much Jesus cares about his body, the church. And he's talking about all these amazing things and he gets into the issue of marriage and covenant and he's talking about this sacrificial and supernatural love and this commitment that a husband and wife are to have for each other and he makes this incredible analogy, this incredible picture. In Ephesians 5, verse 28, he says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And all the wives said, well, ladies, I gave you a chance. You had all the opportunity right there. Say amen and maybe even an elbow nudge, right? I want to give you this picture. Husbands, you love your wives in the same way you'd care for Yourself, who loves his wife, loves himself. Verse 29, for no one hated his own flesh. Meaning this, we spend $471 billion trying to get our bodies healthy. I mean, we care about it. No one hates their body. They want to take care of it. But nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church nourishes and cares about it because we are members of his body. This is unreal. The significance of what it means to be the church that is the body. And he's saying your body and your marriage, all of it is actually pointing you to see a greater and grander reality. God has built for himself a people of eternal significance to step into it. That there is something of eternal worth and value you've been made to be a part of. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. You matter. You matter. You Now, collectively, I mean you individually together, and then we come together corporately. Jesus loves his body. He loves the body immensely. He's caring for it and nourishing it and nurturing it, and that body is actually meant to be connected to each other, unique parts coming together to care for each other and to welcome the people of God to come and be a part of it and to function and thrive together. That's what we have here in 1 Corinthians 12 in the text you're looking at when he says, now you are the body of Christ and yet individually your members are a part of it. 
which in turn means that as a, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a part of the body. I am a part of the body. That's who I am. That's what I'm stepping into. You can jump back a few verses into verse 14. There in your Bible says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many, many. And we all understand that. We get that picture very well. Our human body has a lot of parts. The American Association of Anatomists, which I didn't know was a thing, but it is, <laughs> has a list of identified and named human, identified and named human body parts. Any guess how many? Any guesses? Brave, bold. You're like, I'm not going there, Pastor. Don't, don't make me look like a fool right now. That's right. The, the first service, they were completely foolish. You just, you chill. We'll let the first service a little eager to get here to church. All right. Always. 7,500 named parts of the human body. Amazing. 7,500. One person in the first service said 70 parts. So just, we haven't even begun, begun to think about the uniqueness of what it means to have this body. And yet every one of those is unique and distinct. And they, all of those parts are not like the other parts. And they all have their own job and role. And every one of them are needed to contribute to a thriving body. It's an unbelievable picture. What an incredible thing the Lord's doing right now, just giving us a picture. And so he'll go on to talk about the significance of what it means to be a part. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. So if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. In other words, there are many people that go like, ah, it's good. I'm going to follow Jesus, but ah, you, you church people, you do your thing. I'm just going to follow Jesus over here. No dice. I mean, you can't identify and say, well, I'm not a pastor. Or I'm not a musician, so I'll just stay on the out. Nope. Doesn't work that way. You can't look at something else or somebody else or somebody else's gifting or their, the way they've been wired or their unique role within the church and go, well, if I don't do that, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's that big a deal. No, you're a big deal. Doesn't make you any less a part of the body. You can try to deny it, but you aren't any less. That's what he says. If the year should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. I mean, you're all in. It's who you are. And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing of the whole body where an ear? Where would be the sense of smell? And God couldn't be any more clear. I actually matter to the body that I'm connected to. I actually really matter. My gifts, my abilities, my heart, my perspective, my attitude, my personality, it matters. There's no one insignificant. It's all connected 
We can have different personalities and we can have different backgrounds and cultural upbringings. We can have different things that we're good at and different gifts and different abilities. All of those things are needed to accomplish the purpose of a body being able to thrive. To find purpose. To be able to step into the days ahead with like, man, I'm a part of something Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Every follower of Jesus is a part of the body and every part is needed so that the body can be healthy, so that it can thrive in its purpose, period. Every part matters. It's all needed. And so the question then becomes that if it's not whether or not we're a part of the body, that's not actually in question here. The question is this. Am I actually stepping into the very thing I was meant to be and play within the body? No one, if you're in Christ here, you call on him for hope and for life, for forgiveness, for redemption, to be made clean, to give him your brokenness, and you've come into this family. If that's who you are, then you have more consequence then you could possibly imagine you are playing a part and playing a role. And those are incredibly beautiful things. And I'm so grateful for all of the gifts that exist and all of the ways and all of the things that you carry. And I, it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever looked at uh, people's craft before some, some, when someone's really good at something and then they have a unique ability or gifting it's really kind of amazing I don't know if you've ever like you know been on Instagram or whatever and then you just saw somebody that's like making something out of wood or plastic or have you ever you know what I'm talking about you ever just got caught for a minute or just like and you're like oh my gosh how are you how could you do that you ever done that yes you have of course you have for many hours, come on. You get caught on these loops and you're like, that's incredible what you could do with this, like you turned, you were in the winter time and I don't know if you get seen a bunch of those, you're in the winter and you're making a shelter for yourself. Maybe that's my algorithm, I don't know. It's like, you're down, it's like 12 degrees outside and you're making a, a house that's unbelievable, it's incredible. You're so gifted, it's, it's really amazing, it's cool, it's awesome. You see, somebody takes a slab of meat and is making something amazing with it, you're like, glory to God in the highest, right? It's amazing. I'm so grateful, it's like, there's so much giftedness out there, and it, it's the coolest thing ever, and the easy thing is to go, well, I'm not, I'm not that, and the truth is this, every one of us is carrying something, carrying unique ability, and it just, and it touches people's lives, it's the most amazing thing. When you get to be in Christ, your life gets more consequence and significance than you could ever possibly try to create for yourself. It's an amazing thing. And so just quite literally, if you're here and you're in Christ and you're in his family, you matter so much. 
Not because of anything that you have done or accomplished, but because of who he is inside of you, ready to burst forward. I, was, uh, I got a chance this past week to sit down with our student ministry team, amazing group of people, just willing to work with students. And I just, it was, for a moment, I was just sharing with them what happened to my life when I was 13 and 14 years old. I'm 13 and 14, and I'm sharing with them how my life was changed. I was, I was, I was, God did a brand new work in me. I'm a kid. And what I told them is I said, um, I can't for the life of me remember one sermon that I heard when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. I can't remember any of them. I don't remember the points. I feel certain I was encouraged and challenged and lifted by those messages and all every Wednesday night going to youth groups, what they call it, students now, but it was youth group when I was there. So we go to youth group and it was awesome. It was great going to, you know, camp and lit, lit, hearing 37 sermons or whatever and just trying to get, you know, life right in that one week. It's amazing. God just doing stuff. I can't remember. I don't have one note. I don't remember any of them. And I'm sure I was touched by those things. But you know what I remember? I remember Pat Brown. And I remember Mickey Eccles. And I remember Will and Ann Baker. These people that were just there. Will and Ann, but Will was a doctor. I don't even know how he had time to be at church, honestly, every Wednesday night. You know who he was? Will and Ann were the kindest people I've ever met in my whole life. He never, Will never preached one message, never preached once. You know what he was? He just was there, just showed up and was like safe place to be, to just get cared for, father mothered by someone. Unbelievable. Those names mean nothing to you. They mean everything to me. I'm not just standing here. If there just weren't some people willing to go, I'll hang out with some crazy, kind of dumb seventh graders. <laughs> I'm just, I'll do it. Somebody's got to do it. I'll just do it. My life's changed. I had just, uh, guys would just be like, you want to go play basketball? Or do you want to go get fries at Dairy Queen? To which the answer is always yes. <laughs> yes, I do. My life's different. This is what it means to be the body. It's not superstars on a platform. And I, I thank God for all the amazing music and all the amazing preaching. And I thank God for all those. Those are gifts too. They're not, not gifts. I just, my life was shaped by people. I say those names means nothing to you. In fact, my guess is you probably have some of those names. I could ask you to shout those names out right now and we'd all go, who? What? Means nothing to me, but it meant everything to you. You've been shaped by them. That's what it means to be a part of the body. It's active. It's intentional. It's personal. It's not general church. It's in, invested in, in, in shaping 
And even as I say that, I recognize that this would all sound a little bit self-serving because you're like, well, pastor, it's great to convenient for you to be able to talk about all these things and people using all their gifts, says the guy who's in charge of the church here, right? This isn't a message to get you, to manipulate you into doing something. This is actually a call to say, we gotta be something more. There's, we're so much more. And I'm so sad that often I think the church is known a lot. I mean, if, if we have to be honest, when we talk about the church, there's a lot where there have been people taken advantage of and there have been bad leaders out there. People haven't led well. Sometimes the church is known for being money-grubbing and, or manipulative leaders, all that kind of stuff. So we can't duck our head in the sand it's kind of messy. I think the church is messy. And I think there are, in fact, every pastor wrestles with broken things and egos and all that kind of stuff. I'd be one of them. I could put myself in there. And I honestly, I don't even know why Jesus chose for his body to be a messy, broken people. I think it's, so we would just see his glory. We'd just be amazed. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you used that guy. I can't believe you used that gal. Or I can't believe, God, you would use me to get to play a part, to get to be a part of something so significant. It's sad and concerning. Um, because I think even in 2024, even in, in and among those that would say they're Christians or followers of Jesus, Jesus said there's this notion that uh, I love the church, I just, or I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. I love, give me Jesus, just I don't, want the, I, don't, I don't want the church. I think that is prevalent. It sounds even maybe cool and spiritual. I'm all about Jesus, just not the church. I have a hard time believing that Jesus is leading his people away from the very people he died to establish. I'm not doing it. I have a hard time believing Jesus would love his body and then be good with people hating it and trashing it. I don't think he's okay with it at all. I think he is dead set on changing and transforming a people for himself who will get there all the way to the end by his greatness and goodness. He's going to do that by allowing them to minister to each other and care for each other and call each other up. Because the church actually has a guarantee of victory and we have a promise of authority to be able to live out the call, the destiny that God has on our lives. That's given to the church. It's his body. That's where we're headed. Victory, glory. And so we're on a journey to experience that and to see that happen. I think there's also a kind of a pushback to go, uh, well, I'm, I'm good with the church out here but I'm not okay with it being organized. And when we talk about 
the church, it's not something that's really organized. That, you know, when the church organizes itself, it kind of becomes a mess. It loses its power. And the word church just becomes kind of a reference for the general people of God, not something that's organized. And I think maybe that sounds smart or sounds maybe even spiritual, but the problem is it's just not biblical. It's not true. Back the earliest followers of Jesus immediately, they go, well, what does it look like to care for this people? And what they do in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are out there and they're sharing this message and the church is growing and it's growing from city to city and churches are being raised up and then it's time to go create a new church. And so what do they do when they've got this church? They, Acts chapter 14, 23, it says, then they appointed elders for them to come in every church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so they've got these leaders, these elders who are intended to have responsibility and just a measure of influence and encouragement over the lives of the people. So it's easy to push back against like the organized church, but the truth is, is the church from the get-go was organizing, meaning like we got to think about how we do this together well. And, And there's a responsibility to call leaders to Step forward and care. Hebrews 13 says something radical. It says, obey your leaders. Because everybody loves that word, obey. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, which is the right definition of leadership. As those who will have to give an account, and I feel the weight of that, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Listen, if the church is really about not being organized, then how do you obey this? Honestly, I'm I'm asked the question, how do you walk with people who are meant to be in a leadership capacity to care for souls? Meaning there's an actual body that's coming together And the early church is doing all kinds of organizing. We've got it in Acts chapter 6. There's um, people are being overlooked, poor, and not getting the food. And so the elders or the apostles, they get together and they go, we got to raise up some people, godly people, who can make sure that people are being taken care of, being shepherded well. 1 Timothy chapter 5 Paul, uh, Paul saying to Timothy, hey, there, we got to create some plans and directions for caring for the young widows and the old widows and make sure that everything is handled really, really well. And so we'll have to organize it from time to time. In fact, in the very letter that we're reading, Corinthians, if you go a little earlier in that letter, there's a man who is in unrepentant sin, and he's actually challenging the leader, saying, you guys have not been disciplining this guy who's been walking in some brokenness here. And the Lord wants his heart. And so you're gonna have to deal with him. And in fact, Paul actually, you can go back and read it, but they actually says, listen, for a season, what you gotta do is you gotta take him out. He's gotta be taken out of the body so that his heart would turn back to the Lord and he'd come back home. Um, I guess my question is, is if the Church is just this general thing that's out there and not connected and organized and has got leaders and intentionality and purpose. 
then what is the out that he's talking about? You can't remove somebody from being in something unless there's something that they're in and a part of. Why are we talking about all that? All that just to say, when God's talking about his church and when he's talking about our design and our purpose, it isn't a general thing. You have gifts and abilities to give, to bring life to the body of Christ. You were made to be a part of a group of people and that people is just here at going to be messy. They're going to be messy. The leaders are going to be messy. The people are going to be messy. And the question is, could we just be okay if, if we could be done with um, kind of the whitewashed uh, Western church and actually just lean back into a group of people who are broken and desperate to be connected to the only one who's got life and answers? Together. So we can be okay with the mess. Churches have messes. Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxygen. Uh, oxygen, sorry. <laughs> where there's no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. I don't know if that, you can kind of read between the lines. But where there's no ox, there's no... You know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Manure. It's like, great, it's awesome. You can have a really clean thing, and that sounds amazing, but you got no power, nothing alive, nothing moving. So if you want something that's vibrant and moving, let's be in and a part of it, even if it comes with some mess. It just is. And I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. If we just be okay with what the Bible says. That's what we want to step into. And so that's why I think the local church is so important. I thank God for the local church. I think the local church is important. It's a mess and it's important. I love the church, but hear this. The church is not just a general thing hanging out there. It's a group of people that are intentionally in and caring for each other. And I'm confident every believer is meant to be a part of a local church as messy as they are. And I thank God for all the local churches in this area. And if we're not the one for you, that's okay. But listen, you're meant to be a part of a local body where you can have consequence in the life of that church. And that church can have the consequence in your life, help you grow. I wanna help grow. And I recognize there's messy leaders. And you may have even been hurt by the church. We're just gonna take a moment. We have a few minutes left to have an opportunity to say, God, help me through my church hurt. But the truth is this, you and I are gonna grow and we're gonna thrive where there is commitment, dialed in this. I'm all in with this thing. I get to grow where there's, I'm all in. You know why I know that? Because that's what happens in your family. That's what happens in your marriage. That's what happens with your children. I'm all in. And so this is messy and it's gonna help me grow. And that's good. You gotta stand. Just have a couple of minutes. Lord, we just want to take this final moment to do this. Would you just be gutsy, brave, to ask the Lord this question? Oh, Lord, 
What part are you calling me to play in the life of your church, your people, your body? How do you want to use me? And if you've been believe, if you hear a whisper, a lie, like you're not good enough, you, how dare you think you have something to give? If you hear that lie, reject, rebuke it now. By the power and authority of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you tell the lie to go back to hell. And you stand as a blood-bought, radically loved, cleansed and made whole son or daughter of the Most High God. And you say, oh God, will you use me to touch people's lives in this church, in your church? How will you use me? Do you open your heart to that? Let me say yes to you, Lord. I thank you, God, for all the gifts represented here. And I ask God you'd pour them into the life of your body, your church. And I want to finish with this. Would you just be honest with the Lord about the ways in which you've been hurt by the mess of the church? Have you been hurt? I was dealt wrongly with. Just be honest with the Lord. You know, I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud or come forward or any of those things. I'm asking you to deal with the Lord and be able to tell him, I've been hurt this way by the church. Would you tell him? He's the only safe place you can come to and be fully received and get healed. Would you just ask this gutsy thing? Father, would you help me to learn how to forgive those who have hurt me? As you know, bitterness isn't helping you and it's not fixing the situation. It's only tearing you up from the inside out. So we hand it over to the Lord. Doesn't mean we excuse the hurt that was done or pretend like it never happened. But what we do is we say, God, I need to give you this hurt because I can't carry it anymore. So I offer this to you. Lord, we thank you that you care for our hurts. We thank you that you're present with your messy church. You never leave her. You never forsake her. You are making her pure and spotless. And we are your people. Make us whole. Make us clean. Give us fresh vision for these days ahead of how you want to use us, I ask in Jesus' name. Here in a moment, I'm just going to, we'll have a, a one or two prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you uh, up, up here. If you've got anything going on in your world, we'd love to just pray over you. Pray benediction as we go. If you're interested in joining or being a part of the life of the church, you can, again, grab that card, scan it, scan church life and say, I want to use my gifts. I don't know where, I don't know how but I want to be a part. We want to help you do that. Let's finish this morning. May the Lord bless you. 
and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the head of his church, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love you all. We'll see you next week. We'll have some prayer partners here.